perhaps reached out to somebody in your neighborhood or your community that this Christmas was ever more real in your faith walk with your Lord. And with Christmas and making a transition now towards the new year, it's kind of this in-between place, this isthmus, as Pastor Greg just mentioned. And it's really a time to recycle those leftover holiday fruitcakes. I don't know how many of you got one of those this year. I don't see them as much as I used to. They used to be very, very popular. But you can actually have your cake and use it too. Um, And I've got some possibilities for you. One is to use them to fill in those potholes in your driveway. Or you can use them as a shot put and practice for track season. Or or as a speed bump. They make an excellent speed bump. Uh, Or a boat anchor, if you're so inclined, uh, and out in the water. A flower press, really good for doing that. A bed warmer, you can heat it to 350 degrees. Or you can cool it for 12 hours and use it as an ice pack. Or... Use it as a chopping block, perhaps, or a scratching post for your cat. By the way, I want to just uh, put in a little disclaimer. User assumes all liability for busted toes, hernias, and other medical ailments that may result from this. Um, I'm having a little issue with my voice today, so I've got a cough drop, and uh, uh, I can remember the story of a pastor once who reached into his pocket and put this uh, breath mint into his mouth as it was his custom always. And, uh, and then he was, he was preaching along. He just kept on going and going and going. And he says, oh my gosh, it wasn't a cough drop that I usually use to time my sermon. It was actually a button that I had in there. And <clears throat> I was sitting out here at the intersection. I don't know which way it is. Over there. The traffic light. And just kind of reflecting a little bit as I sat there, this uh, observing the patterns of people. Interesting, the people who won't go when they have the green light and the right of way and the path is clear and they have the chance. And those that do go, even though the light is red and they don't have the right of way and hearing the honking of horns. And I, I, I ponder that all of us who drive face intersections in our lives all the time all the time, and it happens as much internally as it does externally on the highways. And then I went to a little more metaphorical thought and thought of the intersections of human relationships, where we intersect one with another, where my life intersects with yours or with somebody else's. And things happen at these intersections of relationships. There are things that may change your life for the moment or forever. And sometimes we meet God at these intersections of life when the divine cuts across our path and we encounter the living God. And God can and God does surprise us at the crossroads of life. There's this gal. She was not in my church youth group. It was when I was pastoring in a, as a youth pastor in Michigan. Her name was Dina. She had a friend, Krista, and Krista had invited Dina to come to youth group activities and to retreats and to camps. That's how I got to know Dina as I was camp pastor uh, for several years at our camp for senior high camp or speaking at retreats or helping out as a youth coach and whatnot. And so I had encountered Dina, and Krista, uh, Krista had introduced her to me, 
And Dina was one of these play, uh, people that you just like. In fact, she's got a picture in the old uh, Covenant uh, Confirmation book. Her picture is right here. She's standing with a confirmation class there next to her friend Krista in the, in the book. And Dina was one of these that liked to have fun in life. She was energetic, exuberant. You loved to be around her. She was really the life of the party, but in a very tasteful way and uh, uh, quite a gal. And I remember sharing Christ with her several times. And she would say, you know, Bill, I I'm just not ready. I, I want to have more fun before I get tied down with God's rules or things like that. She would just respond that way. And I can remember praying for her and thinking about her seeing her from time to time. She was at the crossroads of her life. She was in an intersection of making a choice, making a decision. And for her, the decision was difficult. And she just wasn't quite prepared, wasn't quite ready, and was waiting for the next intersection. And for weeks uh, of Advent, we've been seeing God surprising people along the intersections of life. We saw Zach and Elizabeth and we thought, uh, they thought, basically, that all hope was dead as far as having a child. And it was really not a dead end, but an intersection at which God chose to surprise them. And they had this miracle baby. Or we see Mary and Joseph, not even begun on their AAA triptych of life and their relationship together and so on, when God surprised them at the crossroads of their life. Or the neighbors surprised at the intersection with God's activity in Zachariah and Elizabeth's life and their miracle baby. The neighbors just overwhelmed in awe of God's surprises. Or the shepherds, we saw them surprised. The ordinary, the outcast, the not worth much people on their cultural encounter with God's surprises at the crossroads of their lives. And they met Jesus, the Savior the Messiah. And today Luke unveils another in chapter 2 of his gospel, Crossroad, and the surprise which he has in store. And so let's eavesdrop on that conversation and invite God into this. God, as we open your word this morning, surprise us. Surprise us. May, we, may you speak to our hearts and may we listen to your voice. Teach us to follow you more closely, dear Lord, in your name, amen. In our text, we see again that travel is involved. There's a lot of traveling happening in this short span of time. If you recall, Mary came down to visit with Elizabeth and then went back to Nazareth. And then we have uh, Mary and Joseph going from Nazareth down to Bethlehem, and they had their baby there. Then they went to Jerusalem to have him dedicated. And they traveled to Egypt to preserve Jesus' life from King Herod and his rampage um, in an effort to maintain his throne. We have lots of crossroads, lots of encounters with God, lots of opportunities to see what he might do and the twists and turns of the lives of these characters, but also the life of this character as well. And today we're going to look at another divine intersection and another God surprise. In verse 21 of chapter 2 it says, On the eighth day, when it was time to circumcise him, he was named Jesus, the name the angel had given him before he had even been conceived. He was pre-named Jesus. Or in the Hebrew, it's Joshua. And it means God saves. God saves. 
And in verse 22, then after waiting the appropriate time of purification that we read about in Leviticus 12, the 40 days, they took the baby Jesus to the temple in Jerusalem to dedicate him to the Lord. And they brought the sacrifice of two doves or two pigeons, which was kind of the minimal requirement. Some people that were more wealthy and well-off, they would bring an unblemished lamb. But in fact, for Mary and Joseph, they were very, very poor. And so they were presenting Jesus back to God, fulfilling Exodus chapter 12 or chapter 13, where it says, Consecrate to me everyone, the firstborn. Parents, our children are a gift to us. But it's not just as parents, all of us as a church, when we hear the baptismal vows or dedication vows that families take, we also stand with them to take these vows together and to recognize the importance of our children. And they are a gift of us, but just for a time, just for a season, we are called on to be stewards of the master's possession. They are ultimately God's children as we are all God's children. But for a time, he has designated us as stewards. And not just parents, every single one of us is on the hook for this. And little did they know in the moment there that they were in fact offering the very unblemished Lamb of God as they consecrated Jesus to the Lord. The Lamb of God that would take away the sins of the world. Picture it. Mary and Joseph making their way through the throngs. I don't know if you were here Christmas Eve, but if you were, you were blessed by throngs. We had standing room only. And it was wonderful. It was powerful and so on. But even in that moment of time, there was kind of that snapshot that I got as people were going out and kind of milling through the throngs and weaving to see people that maybe they hadn't seen for a while or to greet people in the Lord Jesus. And here's Mary and Joseph making their way through the throngs of people in Jerusalem, and then the people gathered in the temple courtyards, winding their way through to this priest that would dedicate their child. And clear across the courtyard, somebody else is also weaving his way, making a very different kind of journey. We read about it in verse 25 of our text where it says, And now there was this man in Jerusalem called Simeon, who was righteous and devout, and he was waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. The Holy Spirit was upon him. And there in the temple courts, these two journeys intersect with each other and come together, a surprise at the crossroads of this encounter. In verse 28, it says that Simeon took this little baby into his arms and held him up and looked at him. And then we have that beautiful prayer of Simeon as he says, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all people, a light for the revelation to the Gentiles and for the glory to your people Israel. And in verse 33, Mary and Joseph are astonished. They marvel at this that is happening, this pronouncement. And Simeon had patiently, prayerfully waited and waited for his Lord, devoutly waited for God's timing and for the Spirit's prompting and prodding and leading. And now at this crossroads, God's future for all humanity was in his arms. 
I want to lift out some thoughts this morning from this text, from this story. The first thought is that the old is looking for the new. The old is looking for the new. So much anticipation building us to Christmas time, but for many of us, even just a few days following Christmas, well, for some of you that are kids and the, and the rest of you men, um, we maybe didn't get the toy we wanted, and maybe we were disappointed. Or one of our toys is already broken in such a short time. I can remember a, a few years back giving to our youth pastor when I was serving up in Everett giving to Robert one of these uh, remote-controlled uh, helicopters because he was so kind of into that stuff. And so he took it out with the youth group and so on out into the courtyard of the church that very day that he got it that Sunday, and he took it out there for its maiden voyage, and it crashed and burned. And he was depressed for weeks, no, months, months, uh, at the demise of that helicopter so quickly happening. Some of you are students, and school is coming back in session in just a few days. It seemed like it was going to be a nice, long break, but it's far too short, and school's demands are looming once again. Or for adults out there faced with how you're going to pay for all this celebration, sometime before the Super Bowl party, and uh, was I supposed to say that word? But beyond that are bigger issues bigger themes. Some of you have broken hearts for one reason or another. Maybe you've lost a loved one. Maybe you've lost your partner in this last year. Or you've gotten a diagnosis that was not what you wanted, hoped for, or expected. Some news that was difficult they say that the highest percentage of divorces and the highest percentage of suicides occur in the two weeks around Christmas and New Year. A season of joy and celebration of our Lord as we sang praises to his name, and yet for some it's a season of sorrow and distance and difficulty. These parallel the conditions of Simeon's time. You see, it was a very difficult time for the nation of Israel. The Lord had been silent for 400 years. And Simeon had perhaps prayed and been faithful all of his life, waiting for the Lord to break through, waiting for an encounter that would enliven his hope. And in tough times, we often cling to the past. But the difficulty of the past is that it lacks hope. It so often lacks hope. And Simeon takes a risk, and he yields to the Holy Spirit's promptings. And he was waiting. He was waiting, but open for God's surprises. He was expectant of God's new work. The question is, are we? Are you? Am I? Are we open to the new work of God in our lives? Of moving out of our and beyond our comfort zone, the familiar our church has been going through a series of new things for the past couple, three years. Are you ready for God's surprises and these new things that God is doing among us? He's bringing new people to our church. Are you open to hear, to listen, to be Christ to them? He's going to bring in hope and faith. He's going to bring a new pastor. 
Are you praying for that? We need your prayers in this process so that when the new comes, that we, the old, don't just sit in our seats or sit on our duffs, but instead we pull alongside of the new pastor with new visions and new thoughts of how we can minister Christ and the news of salvation in this community and around our globe. Do you listen for God's prompting in your Christian life and your walk with the Lord? Simeon was, uh, well, he was old, but looking for the new, ready for the new, obedient to the possibilities of the new. And where did God lead Simeon? You see it in verse 27. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what was the custom of the law that the law required. He leads him into the temple. Or in today's parlance, into the church. The church among God's people. And folks, we don't go to church to be entertained. This isn't about having a good time other than a good time in the Lord. And if you're saying things like, well, I really got nothing out of this morning. Uh, The music was kind of poor. The sound wasn't so good. And the the pastor, he was off his game. And uh, -and so-and-so didn't say hi to me this morning, so I'm going to be mad at him for a while. And blah, 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 blah. Look at what they're wearing today, you know. And if you're saying any of those things, you're looking to be entertained. We came to worship. We came to receive education in God's Word, but not just education for the head, but for the life. To apply God to our lives. To encounter the living God. And when we step into this intersection, we step into the path of the divine. Surprise! In Acts chapter 4, verse 31, it says that the Christians stretched forth their hands. And in Jesus' name they prayed. And the whole place shook. And they felt the Holy Spirit power. And they spoke boldly God's word. Folks, we need God to shake us up a little bit. To create a little individual earthquake in each one of us. Are you expectant of something new in your life? Come next Sunday, we're going to talk about that just a little bit more. There's a second truth that I see in this text, and that is that Simeon gave joyful self-surrender. Joyful self-surrender. Recall our series of God's surprises. As he surprised these various people in the story as it unfolded, and what did God, uh, what did they often do in response to God's surprises? They broke forth in praise. We have Elizabeth, her song of praise in chapter 1, verse 42, a song of joy and praise. Mary's song in verse 46 and following. And then we have Zechariah's song in verse 64 and following. And then the shepherds in chapter 2, verse 20, their song as they said, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace and goodwill to all. And in our text here in verse 28, did you see it? That was a song that Simeon praised God with. And every one of these songs has implicit a worship gift. A worship gift of self-sacrifice. God, use me. 
God, here I am. I am yours. Your will be done. And you can imagine Mary and Joseph. You can imagine their surprise when this elderly man comes through the temple, kind of a beeline towards them. They're at the crossroads, the intersection, and this man takes from Mary's arms the baby to hold up and to praise God, to see the answer. Or consider this, can you imagine holding the sovereign God in your arms? And what that might have meant to Simeon, the Savior of humankind in his arms, that must have been just incredible. I can't even begin to imagine. When I do a baby dedication or a baptism, one of the things that's my custom is to walk out among the congregation. Because like I said, it's all of our responsibility. And so I walk as we sing together a song with this baby in my arms, and it's such a privilege. And I couldn't help but think of that as I reflected on Simeon this week and the privilege he had of holding the Christ child. And folks, if you are a child of God, reconciled to your Creator, having received Christ into your life, He will hold you in His arms for all eternity. And someday you will embrace Him as the Lord of your life in person. Powerful. Some of our church families have experienced that this year. They've had loved ones go to be with the Lord. And this was perhaps their first Christmas without that person as a part of the Christmas celebration. It's hard. It's difficult. But that person is in God's arms. Simeon held the baby Messiah in his arms and he looked at him and said, Sovereign Lord. Sovereign Lord. And as I reflected on this scene, something happened. I I realized that for me, the baby Jesus, the Christmas story, it's so nice. It's so gentle. It's so safe. And yet I was kind of yanked by Simeon's witness. Sovereign Lord, it kind of yanked me out of the safety of the manger scene and instead took me to the reality of the cross. As Greg mentioned this morning as we sang, the abrupt reality of the cross and the cost of my sin, the ways I've blown it. How about you? It calls me to take stock of my life. How about you? to do a little personal inventory. How about you? To renounce some of the things that pride and greed and lust cling to. And instead, I need to surrender to God's prompting, to righteous living, to being a living sacrifice to my sovereign Lord. We don't like that word of living sacrifice. We don't like the word of being servant to our Lord. Greek word is doulos, which means slave, and in that cultural mindset, it hinders us from being God's servant. And so we must give joyful self-surrender, even as Simeon did. And truth number three that I see in our text is that Simeon looked into the face of salvation. As he held that baby up and looked into his face, He was looking into the face of salvation. Jesus. God saves. 
Every individual must have a personal encounter with Jesus Christ. And to make that declaration to accept his gift of salvation. Simeon tells Mary what her son, that her son would be a divider in verses 34 and 35 of our text. That you may be at the crossroads, an intersection this morning. And that Christ may be dividing your old from your new. And helping you to see that you need him. And to be in relationship with him. The reality is that some would reject him. Others would receive him. Simeon looks into the face of Christ. The face of salvation. And says, Sovereign Lord, my eyes have seen your salvation. Remember I told you the story. It was just part of the story of Dina. Now for Paul Harvey's the rest of the story. Dina was at Chick 88. Chick is an event for high school youth in the Covenant, and we have about 5,000, well, now it's close to 6,000 young people to get together from all over the, uh, the nation and the world to come together for a week of praising our God together and learning about him and being with one another. And Dina was at Chick 88, so was I. Dina did not know that I was there. I did not know that Dina was there. And we thought this year we were going to do something different. Usually we waited till the last night and you have kind of an altar call. What we wanted to do this year is to have the altar call earlier in the week and then to help them to build, to help them be discipled in their newfound faith in Christ because each year we noticed that several people would receive Christ as their personal Lord and Savior. So we've got about 4,500, 5,000 students at this Chick event. And it went far beyond our expectations. We probably had a staff about 300 counselors and we thought that would be plenty sufficient we were supposed to go and be ready down in front of the stage there in this arena and so we get down there the uh, the invitation is given for people who would like to receive Christ and we were inundated Uh, we estimate probably about 800 people came down we know for sure that about 450 received Christ into their life that night but we were overwhelmed all of a sudden there's all these people and so I'm kind of walking around for okay who can I connect with and uh, and to share Christ with and as uh, kind of milling around seeing people and uh, just about get there and then they were linked in with another group and so on and all these groups happening and there were so many that we didn't have enough room there on the platform of the arena or the floor of the arena so they were standing starting to go up in the bleacher section here and all of a sudden I saw and connected eyes out of all those people, I saw Dina. I saw her sitting there. And so I gradually made my way up to where she was with her friend Krista. And they were sitting there, and Krista was talking to her and kind of consoling her. And Dina was praying. And Dina's prayer was that if you are real God, then you'll have Pastor Bill find me and pray with me. Yeah, it was amazing. It was amazing. And as I came, all of a sudden, she saw me, and she saw me making my way, and she just started to weep. And it was her encounter, her crossroads, her intersection with the living God. And God answered her prayer, surprised her, because she didn't think it was going to happen. And it did. And now she's in the family of God. Are you open to an encounter with him? To put yourself at the crossroads and let God surprise you? Do you know him as your sovereign Lord? 
as the Savior of humankind? Do you daily give yourself to him in joyful self-surrender and serve him and listen to his voice leading you? Are, are you looking for the new no matter how old you are in the faith? Are you expectant that God will do something new in this church family, through each of us, in our community? Let's pray. God, thank you for the surprises, for the times when you encounter us at the crossroads of life, and your Holy Spirit is active and helping us, Lord, helping to point the way to you. God, I just pray that we will be open to that. Father, as we give to you now of our tithes and our offerings, our tithe, what you ask of us, and our offerings to the overflow of the abundance you have given to us, may we give our lives, to tithe our lives and to give you of our time and our abilities, but Lord, also as offerings, to sacrifice so that others might hear you. We pray this in your name. Amen.